there. Uh, let me welcome onto the show Nzakom Kabela, who is a social activist and founder of Mzanzi Spell B. Nzako, good morning and thank you for coming into studio. <laughs> good morning. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you. Well, thank you. L- let me say, I think Mark Hayward is on the line now. Mark, good morning. Morning, Kathy. Happy Freedom Day, and I'm sorry I lost you for a second. <laughs> no, nice no, no problem at all. A pleasure to have you on the show as well, Mark. We're talking about freedom, right? And and where where we are as as a country with the attainment of freedom. Why it is that we have so many South Africans that believe they're not truly mm. free. Um, in the last hour, we heard voices of of some young people who talked about some of the challenges that they face, systemic challenges that have a direct bearing on their view and their perceptions of freedom and their ability to access freedom. So I don't have a job. I can't provide for myself. I can't provide for my family. I am not free. Your own reflections, Mark, perhaps, of, of where we are as as a country and this freedom that we have. What is this freedom that we have? Thanks, Cathy. Well, it's it's hard to say where we are in the country because we're divided. Uh, on the one hand, I think you can say that we are a country that has a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you and I have the freedom to talk over the radio. Uh, we have freedom of media, freedom of speech, freedom, the right to, to vote, the right to protest, the right to associate with whoever we want to associate with. And, and we shouldn't take those freedoms for granted because, you know, if you go to China or Hong Kong or Zimbabwe uh, or many other countries, you don't have those freedoms. But on the other hand, as you just said, and as your listeners correctly raised, having political freedoms but being hungry or being permanently unemployed or being fearful of rape or domestic violence, or being vulnerable to diseases that should be preventable and that should be treatable, feels like it's no freedom at all. Mm. And so I guess the challenge for us is how do we bring these two sets of freedoms together? I I don't Mm. want to dismiss my right to freedom of speech and freedom of protest and and as a civil society person i use that every day Mm. but i use it every day to try to advance these socio-economic freedoms that 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 are so 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 critical to people's lives and dignity Hmm. the notion of freedom you know I, i i keep thinking that freedom is this um being unencumbered right um so then the next question is freedom to what, right? So um, I suppose it's speaking to a sense of freedom in one's existence and in one's ability to to live a life with dignity so that it's not a matter of saying, well, we have these freedom to vote and so and so and so. In recognizing that the fullness of our humanity and being able to say when you speak of freedom, it's not um, in relation to being held down, oppressed. I think we often speak of it in relation to the apartheid system to say, well, in, in comparison to that, we are free. But if one were to say, but in comparison with living with dignity, with being mm-hmm. able to 
um, fully go after one's dreams in, in comparison with being able to raise one's children the way that one may wish to, then one has to then say, um, I think we don't fully explore freedom in, re in, re in relation to what and to do what. I think the black, for me, I was raised in the black consciousness movement. Mm. And I think that as a philosophy began to kind of articulate a freedom um, from a point of view of human dignity. Right. So that when you're looking at the pointers of what it will be like to say you have a free society, you're not just looking at it in terms of numbers and statistics, but you're also looking at it in terms of the people's right to fully exist. And the you, 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 there's this idea of these um, inalienable rights. Right. And I think it's being able to go into that space of being able to say, can people fully in the time that God puts them on earth, mm. living on this place, express themselves fully. So it, it is political, but I think our lives are more than political. And I mm. think we, we, we often then narrow the, um, the discussion mm. in a manner that doesn't say, actually, yes, I can have the right to vote, but if my son falls in a pit toilet, the, yeah. the, the quality of my life, mm. no matter how many freedoms you say you give me, the quality of my life l lacks dignity and therefore um, is, is in and of itself an, an, an oppressive state to mm. live in. Mm. This, this issue of dignity is, is such a big one. Um, and, and again, it came up in the first hour of, of the show. And um, Crispin, one of our callers in, in Durban, Crispin, you know, your insight was so invaluable this morning. And I think it's the second time I'm, I'm referencing mm. uh, something that, that he raised, is that when speaking to young people and their experience of being in this country, of living in this country, going through education system, being poor, and those experiences speak to a stripping of mm. one's dignity, mm -hmm. that even the way in which your mind is shaped, the way in which you see yourself, your confidence in yourself and your ability to do whatever it is that, you know, one may want to do, that that is stripped from, from such a young age. Mm -hmm. And through the course of one's life, it's never repaired. And, and, and so you, you kind of go through a South Africa as a young person, um, broken in many ways, but expected to function as, as, as a full human beings. And I want us to address this issue of dignity because the Bill of Rights makes specific reference mm. to human dignity as a right that is afforded to every single South African. And, and yet when we look at the conditions under which people live, the mm. conditions under which people have to go to school, wh whatever the, the brokenness in, 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 our, in our system is, it is stripping people of that, that dignity. Nzako, let me come to you. You know, Kathy, I think in your introduction and now, you kind of allude to this idea of um, the dignities that are um, given, kind of like uh, the, 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 the rights that are given. Mm. And I think that there are certain rights that people come with, and we need to look at it from that point of view. Mm. So as to say, the government's function is to enable the realization of those things, not to give those things. Mm. And often we talk about it in terms of like, they are uh, giving off. Mm. 
what they need to do is to make sure that at, at least the mandate they are given is to create an environment that enables and and protects and affirms those dignities. And I think often in South Africa, when we talk about um, the experiences of ordinary people, um, the experiences of human dignity, we're often talking about the them, the poor, the them, the people, the them, the um, our communities, as we like to kind of mm. use these um, whitewashed um, words but we don't see ourselves as being part of that. So mm. you'll find that even people in government, when they're talking about giving people dignity, they somehow think they can give people dignity. That's ridiculous. That's like, a, um, I'm, I'm not necessarily religious, but that's a thing that a human being is born into and should have as a, as a value in a society. And so for people to say, we will make sure we give you your dignity, I think is an insult of sorts. Mm -hmm. What you're supposed to do is to ensure that people's lives are the realization, the real realization of those things. So in fact, you know, making sure that black babies are born in shacks and then saying, now we will give you dignity is, 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 is an insult to me because they shouldn't, that reality should not be the reality that we start from. We start from such a base and then anytime someone says now there'll be healthcare, you're like, woo, that's a thing. No, I'm, I mean, mm. <laughs> listen, these are not things that we should clap for or say, oh, well, look how much you've done for us. These are the, in, in respecting the core humanity of people. I think it should be obvious that that should be a starting point, one that shouldn't even get an applause. But one that should be a thing where you say, that's where we're starting from. Anything else we get should be a plus. Mark? Yes, I, I, I love it. I, I agree. <laughs> Me too. That's why I didn't have anything else to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and I, think, I think talking about dignity in the way that we're doing is, is, is so important. And I agree. You know, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights says something like, all people are born free and mm -hmm. equal in dignity and rights. Mm -hmm. So you are born free and equal in dignity and rights. But I think that whilst government can't give people dignity, what troubles me is that government can contribute to taking away mm -hmm. dignity mm -hmm. or to not protecting dignity. So you look at a country like ours, which is the most unequal in the world, you know, our children are born free and equal in dignity and rights in the first few weeks of their lives. Mm. But literally from those first few weeks, they start to follow different courses. And for, for, for children with material means, with privilege, for white children mostly, they are able to realize their dignity and their potential. But for poor children then that dignity, not only is, is the, the possibility of realizing dignity stalled, but you are, you are subjected to indignity. Okay. You know, I can never forget, Kathy, you know, that I worked with the Kamape family mm. uh, in Limpopo, Michael, little Michael, mm. you know, and I got to know that, that family. But you think of the indignity of so many of our children having to go to school and go to toilets that are filthy, stinking, dangerous, and life-threatening. And what does that do to your self-esteem? What does that do to your 
your, your, your self-worth. And so, so, so I agree, we have to, we, and it's not just government, it's each one of us should be asking ourselves these questions. What do we have to do to ensure that each person in my family, in my network, in my workplace, in my household, has this equal opportunity at, uh, at, at, at dignity and, as, as we've said, to fully exist, uh, to, to have quality of life, not just life, but quality of life. Mm. In, in, in what is the experience of this dignity literally being stripped away from, from people? Um, and, and I think, you know, the case of Michael Gomabe becomes really a, a, such an important one, Mark, is that there is an opportunity for all of us to be able to contribute to changing the situation. Hmm. Um, one of our callers, Emmanuel, in, in Alexander in the last hour of the show said, to him, being free would mean having power. And he currently feels that he does not have the power to influence or even to change his circumstance. Mm. And I'm speaking to both of you as activists who have been involved in, in shaping um, ideas around what this country should be and fighting for those ideas. And, and Mark, we have so many people right now who feel that there's nothing that they can do mm. about the circumstances that they face on a day-to-day -day basis. How do we begin to change that? Because our constitution empowers each and every one of us. It gives us that agency, even by power of the vote and through the vote. Um, but that's not the beginning or the end of it. There's so much that, that is available to us. How do we begin to conscientize that and, and how people realize the power that they have, Mark? Yeah, well, that, that's the crucial question, Cathy, because I think we all have a tremendous amount of power. And the question is, how do we find that power? And how do we use that power? And, and it takes you partly back to where we started this discussion, which is, you know, we don't have these rights to protest, to petition, to freedom of speech, to, to assembly for, for nothing. They're not there to sit on an ornament, as an ornament on a shelf. Mm. They're there to be used to advance our lives and the lives of our, 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 our fellow citizens. And by citizens, I mean everybody in, in our country. And, you know, what I've, let me, let me speak from practical experience. You know, in the early days when we were building the treatment action campaign to campaign for access to antiretroviral medicines for people, you know, well, the way we built TAC was that we worked in communities. And I saw this wonderful transformation of people in communities who felt they were powerless, often young women, black women living with HIV, who, when given access to dignity, to knowledge, to information, to understanding of rights, developed develops this power and this remarkable power and potential. I mean, give me three seconds, Kathy, to give you one example. I had this Please go ahead. Friend, friend called Sarah Saslele, and she was a young woman who lived in Sharpville 
she had a baby who lived with HIV, who was born with HIV. The first time I met Sarah was when I went to take an affidavit for her for the court case on mother-to-child transmission. And she was sitting on the floor in a corner of the house where she stayed in, a very, very small house, crying continually and eating food out of a saucepan because her family wouldn't or her uncle wouldn't allow her to use a knife and fork because he thought that she, they would infect, she would infect them with HIV. She was broken. She was, was, was pitiful. By the time Sarah died three years later, Sarah was this strong, determined, powerful woman who was speaking outside of the Pretoria High Court, standing up for her rights. She found herself, she found her power, she found her confidence. And that's there, I think, for, for, mm. for all of us. Mm. And, 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 and I guess those are the discussions that we should have about Freedom Day, because if we all found our power, if we all defended our dignity, then our country would not look the way it's looking today. Mm. Nzako, I'm going to give you a chance to also speak to this issue of mm. power, finding our power, exercising that power. I'm going to be back with your calls as well on 011-714-2006. That's the number uh, to dial for this morning on the WhatsApp line 614 I'll continue with Nzako and Mark after this quick break. The Talking Point with Kathimo Sasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. All right, so we're talking with activists and we're talking about the meaning of freedom. How do we protect and defend our freedom? Uh, I suppose it's unquestionable that uh, our freedom needs protecting and defending. So mm. you, you kind of are always working on, on either end of, of the stick by virtue of, of where we find ourselves. And so I've got this question of power. Mm. I I. I, I I want to change my circumstances, but I, I seemingly can't. And how do we begin to tap into that power, as Mark was saying? I think, if if if, if I can step aside a little bit, mm. I think that we also need to recognize that when that reality is the outcome of a design and not an individual's feeling about their life, but a historical, political, contextual a process of making people feel that way in in order to be able to rule over them and i i, I count my words in in not saying govern over them mm-hmm. and i see rule over on purpose because we often will talk about the the ruling party and so on and so forth and so we have by design a a, a political power group whose main purpose is to make people feel as though they cannot on themselves for themselves. Um, My mom always remembers that about two days after my sister was born in 1986, um, one of our family friends in Muletzani, who was a community civic leader, was was hacked to death um, on the streets of of Muletzani. And we forget that intentionally there was a a history after the 1986 unbanning of political parties, of making sure that people who were um, pa- um, power holders in communities were murdered, slaughtered. Um, and if somebody were to say, 
well, there's no proof to that history. You say, well, there's proof. The proof is in the pudding <laughs> because what's happened in the country is that we have rewritten the definitions of what power is so that power means position, power means money, power means um, the ability to decide to decide in your own life. Mm. Um, and so when you then say to a child growing up in Sibukeengkaba in in Alex, you have power. Given the kind of matrix we have used to say what power is, they, they reasonably can say mm. they don't have power over their lives. Mm. So it's not an it's not an um, an unreasonable conclusion for one to reach about their life, but it is designed that way. Part of why it is designed that way, at the beginning you spoke about civic soci civil society. And I think often when we speak of civil society, it has an office and an NPO address yes. and, um, and employees and pays tax. Mm -hmm. But in fact, this particular thing of civil society stands in place for what should be called we the people. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and so... Even within civil society, this insistence that we you can only exist in that space if you are registered, mm. if you are recognized by those in power. I mean, the, the goal to say in order to create different power um, nexus in society, we first must recognize you and register you in such and such a manner. Otherwise, your voice doesn't count. And so I think that part of it really is from within a recognition of the fact that when people feel powerless, it is designed that way. And then secondly, a, a reaffirmation of the fact that your voice doesn't only count in being within an official um, legal framework that people say now you can exist. Mm -hmm. there, uh, there, there was a group of women in, in Orange Farm um, my my helper was part of this group, and they had decided they will gather their change nyana, their monies, um, buy bricks, and then they started. Each one of them learned a different trade. So one would go okay na, a, a small group would go and learn how to um, brick lay, mm -hmm. another one how to plaster, others how to do electricity. So these are small trades you can learn, but when you bring them together, they actually create now an industry. So these women at Orange Farm were now building houses. And the councillors said, stop, stop doing this. Why? You're going to fight amongst yourselves. We don't want you guys to end up arguing about whose house is done first. So stop. We will build your houses for you when we are ready. This is intentionally saying to people, we do not want you to, to have agency. Mm -hmm. We do not want you to, to control your lives. We will tell you what house you get, how big it is, where it is, when you get it. Um, you will have to tell us a, a, a pity story about, I have so many dependents, I don't have a job. And, you and must justify. Justify it. And mm -hmm. once, you, once you have justified the indignity which you now suffer, mm you will then be rewarded mm. with a house or, um, or a mm. grant. And we have to look at these things and say, <laughs> this, is, this is nonsensical. I mean, similarly too, I, I, I know of a group in the Northwest who started collecting the five rand. Bomme would collect five rand, five rand, five rand. They've now amassed over two million rands that they have 
in the community. They've created a community um, bakery that services the community and the local schools and the local um, correctional facility. They um, have a scholarship program where in their community, no child can can say, I need to apply for NESFAS. Because Gadi that their mothers started collecting in the 90s, they now have what is essentially a, a, a power block within their own community. Mm-hmm. So I think also we need to... Um, on an individual level, I can understand how this can be very difficult. But I think also we need to remember the power of the collective and the power of very little bits of power coming together, mm. which is where they don't want us to look. When you say actually um, one minister standing and we all stand up and say, let's clap. This is a disempowering process where we essentially say we are in a monarchy. We are in a totalitarian state. We are ruled over. And we, as citizens, just beginning to shift that languaging of like the ruling party to hell with that. I'm not ruled by anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And things like we clap when a minister comes in. No ways. I will clap for you when the roads are built and there's no potholes. Come with that. I will clap for you. Before that, no thank you. Nzako Mkavela, she is a social activist and you can hear so many wise things she has to bring to this conversation. I've got so many callers. Let me try and get through as many of them as possible. I'll kick it off with Jack Ntabeha. Good morning. Good morning, Sister How are you? I'm well, thank you, Jack. I'm fine, thank you. Um, first of all, I'm very nervous, so I would like for you and your listeners to bear with me. And, uh, and whatever I'm going to say right now, I hope that I'm going to make sense. Jack, walk first in your all, power, my brother. <laughs> walk in your power. Right, <laughs> yeah, I am working on my power. And first of all, another thing, Mina, I, I'm a young person. I'm not that much uh, educated that much, but I believe in reasoning sometimes. First of all, Katie, I do believe Uguti. Um, our leaders fought uh, for, 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 for this freedom that we have very hard. We are, we are where we are uh, because of a lot of sacrifice and a lot of blood has been shed uh, for us to be where we are. But as a young person, I'm not satisfied mm. due to work opportunities, due, due, due to the environment that we live in as black people per, per se. You understand, this kid? And it hurts me when, when, when political parties like about ANC, so forth and so on, come uh, every five years and promise people jobs and promise people change. Well, in the meantime, they don't even have a capability of creating jobs. They don't have anything, which means they're lying to us. You understand? What I, don't, what, what, what I fail really to understand is that why can't African leaders speak in one voice and unite Africa to the point where uh, Africa becomes a state where we have one president. Because for me, it, it does not make sense where we live in a continent where, which is almost the richest continent in the whole world. But people, black people which live in that continent are the most poorest of poor of people. For me, it does not make sense. For example, if I may use an example, why can't our leaders, if Anglo-American were to open a mine in South Africa, it's fine, but why don't they say, don't mine South Africa and take the gold in jail just for free because even the promises they make in the communities where the mines are are not are, are, are not are not met. So why can't they bring bring all these uh, th- these machines that they have and do everything here 
employ black people to do whatever is going to be done with that gold overseas? Why can't it be done here all and right. create jobs for our people? That's all I'm saying as mm-hmm. a young person because it's very painful in this case for a young person like me to can't you can't take care of your children you can't take care of your parents when they speak medical medical expenses are expensive but we are the richest continent it hurts me so much in this case i don't know if All i right. made sense and thank you, you for did. the opportunity you did yes. you did jack Thank you for calling in. Aisha in Uppington, good morning. I'm just going to remind all our listeners, try and be as brief as possible for me. Aisha. Good morning, Cassie. Yes. I will ignore that. Cassie, <laughs> that young lady I am an Aisha. You, you can't ignore it, man. Okay, go for it. <laughs> that young lady that you have there uh, uh, was speaking out of my soul. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I would just like to underscore three points. Firstly, uh, uh, civil society and community. I agree with her 500%. I'm sick and tired of people coming on the radio and saying, we are civil society, and then they refer to our communities or their community, and and then they come and they say, Citizens and community. Hmm. Now, uh, uh, hello, communities are citizens. And the other thing is, government, exactly like she said, you have to be registered. We will speak to you and we won't speak to you. We are citizens. You must speak to all of us, whether you like it or not. And the last thing is, three prior informed consent and consultation. Real consultation with the people concerned. Mm. Dignity, it is inherent. When you're born, you are born with it, regardless of your ethnicity. Thank you. Aisha, thank Mm. you so much for that contribution. I've Mm. got a break coming up. I'm going to take the break. I've also got a couple of more uh, callers who want to contribute to this conversation. SAFM leading the conversation. Hashtag SAFM talking point. I don't know about you, but the last hour has been really so incredible. Uh, we're talking to Mark Hayward and Nzakom Kabela and so many things that we've been able to touch on. But I think just, you know, they, the, the, what they're saying about the experiences, what they're saying about the power that, you know, we as as citizens have has been really, really, really uh, insightful to hear. Let me go to Faisal and Edel, Eden Glenn. Good morning, Faisal. Hi, good morning, Cathy, and good morning to your guests. Mm. Uh, Cathy, what I want to say is that to me, freedom has two sides. The one side is, is, a, is a relative side. The freedom, it means something to each individual, you know, based on the emotions and based on and, uh, on, on, uh, uh, on other uh, relative, uh, relative things as well. But to me, freedom, uh, my acceptance of, of freedom is more an objective side. And on, the, and on that side, I want to say that to me, uh, freedom in South Africa is one of the greatest uh, in the world. You know, uh, we have a, a, a great constitution. We have a, a strong uh, judicial system that's, that's defending the constitution. We have a strong in the, um, independent media and we have strong civil societies. So uh, when I look at freedom, I, 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 I always say, you know, that, uh, that, that when I compare to some of the other countries in the world, 
that we have a, a, a wonderful system of freedom and, 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 and constitutional democracy in our country. Mm. And, uh, and I think we should all, we, we, in, uh, uh, I, I, I can understand the relative part of, of many, many individuals where, where concerning the econo- economy, concerning jobs and so forth. Uh, but uh, but uh, nevertheless, I would say the freedom is, is is absolutely wonderful in our country. And the only thing to me that 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 that, that is going to uh, uh, that I fear uh, uh, that will detract from that from that freedom is is corruption. I mean, uh, you know, you find the uh, corrupt politicians uh, banding together to undermine this entire constitution. I think that's where the problem is going to be uh, in the future is going to come about. Actually. All right. Faisal, mm. thanks for that contribution. Alfred in Soshanguve, good morning. Uh, good morning, Tracy. Yes. Uh, yeah, and, and the young people, I, I guess they are listening at this program. Um, I want to challenge my dear young people today with very brief questions. What is freedom? Who should give me freedom? Mm. Um, there is a singer who said, emancipate yourself mm. from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. So this is a mighty statement that I actually live by. To say you're waiting for somebody to give you freedom or you associate freedom with the things that you need, I think it's, it's not the correct way of looking at it because we are basically born free. At this time, we can do anything that we want to do if we have made a resolve to do that. For instance, most of the young people are highlighting the issue of unemployment, whereas you've got a lot of young people who are foreigners who come to South mm-hmm. Africa, they see opportunities, they take them, and make life out of those opportunities while our young people are still watching and complaining and waning all the time. Lastly, talk is cheap. Let us stand up and begin to do things for ourselves. If we wait for the government to create jobs for us, you can, you can kiss goodbye to those jobs. Okay. I've been a young, young person who lived during the time of 1976. We were the precursors of, you know, the uprising then. But since then, my mind has been free. I said to myself, I will never wait for somebody to do things for myself while I am still able to do that. The only thing that I live by is that I must search for opportunities and be able to take them forward. Because I'm a free person. Nobody will give me freedom except myself, who is willing to actually live freely throughout. Young people, stand up, do things for yourself. Alfred, thanks for that. Uh, Let me wrap it up on the call line with John in the Eastern Cape. John? Hello, Cathy. Cathy, my comments relate more to what happened in the first hour. Mm. And uh, I think I'm going to stop listening to these talk shows on days such as Freedom Day, because I always find them so very sad. Uh, Faisal said we've got a great constitution. Yes, we do, but it's only as great as uh, the extent to which we value what's in the constitution. Mm. And and our constitution is meant to be about all non-racism and uh, about reconciliation. 
And uh, these discussion shows and what happened during the first hour, I'm afraid, uh, don't take us in that direction at all. And I'm in Makana, so I know what's, I know what's going on in Makana. I speak from an informed position. And I under Quarter's comments about three, and he named the three individuals mm-hmm. who he called examples of white racists in, in Makana. They were people who helped Ayanda um, <clears throat> to make to to make the MCS a reality, and uh, and anyone who knows the three people who he named, and that's a very it's a very serious allegation to make against people. Um, anyone who knows them knows they are anything but the racist white racist that Ayanda called them. I and I've spoken to Ayanda, and I've said I've told him since the call, and I've told him I think. I under that's a very unfortunate thing to have said. And I hope, Kathy, you're going to give people like Professor Philip Mechanic, who was one of them who was named, an opportunity to yeah, respond look, to that allegation. Mm, John, John, absolutely. And it, it was unfortunate that it also derailed from the conversation that um, we were having. So so I take I take the, the point that, you, that you're raising, John. It did. And honestly, yeah, that pro- yeah. the problems within the MCS can be resolved amicably. But comments like that from Ayanda don't help the process at all. And it's not, it's actually but, but, not a white black yeah, issue. Yeah, but, but also, really John, not... for me, I just felt like it was a separate conversation, you know, uh, from what yeah, we were actually talking about. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I accept uh, that, John. Thanks, I accept that. All right. John out in in the Eastern Cape. Well, uh, we're nearing the end of the show. Uh, Mark, let me perhaps give you a chance to to weigh in on uh, some of the contributions of our listeners and also just uh, your parting shot very briefly, please, Mark. Hello, Mark. All right, it looks like he's gone. So, Nzako, let me give you that chance then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm I'm really... um glad that we're able to have a constitution that allows us to speak freely that uh, we can gather and etc etc everybody's really happy about everything that we have in South Africa but we can't look at ourselves relative to a totalitarian state you can't say we are good relative to China China Mm. is nonsense China is crazy Um, so no that's not the place you kind of put as your um, as as the guiding star i think what south africa needs is a vision and i don't think it's a, it's a political it's a politician's vision i think it's real ordinary people's vision about children shouldn't be crossing rivers to go to school it's about it's about dignity it's about healthcare it's about it's about young people having op- opportunities and being able to see beyond where they are right now. Mm-hmm. It's also about, hey, don't call, please, that other guy said, you know, me as a young person, paying for medical bills, I have children. If you, once you have children and what, what, we're no longer young, guys. This thing of making us young and like docile until we're 35 is nonsense. All, when we speak about people having a voice, when I'm not speaking about youth issues or old people, I'm saying that this is our country collectively. And we, we need to be able to create a vision that we can give to a politician and say, here is what we want. Here is where we're going. I no longer want anyone to give me a, um, a, a manifesto for where they're going, All but right. rather to follow us. 
Let me thank you again thank you. for coming into the studio. That's where we wrap it up for today. Before I go, over the past few weeks, heavy rains and freak floods have disrupted the lives of thousands of families in KwaZulu-Natal. It has caused great damage. Families in KZN need your help, particularly with water. The SABC, in collaboration with Gift of the Givers, are asking listeners in the Western Cape to donate five litres of water to the people of KwaZulu-Natal. You can deliver your donation to the SABC's Western Cape offices at 209 Beach Road in Seapoint. On that note, we're going to leave it there on the talking point. And happy Freedom Day. I hope that at least there's a lot that, of course, raises concerns, but there's also a lot for us to celebrate today. Let me hand you over to the update at noon with Sakina Kamwendo. Sakina, happy.